millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, it's Susan here, and it is my first time calling in. I finally got the courage to do it. Having listened to this Sunday's Omnibus and listening to Rory... Rory... This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the spookylicious Robert Wilson, and with me I have the dangling horror show that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Lower Locks' frightful family fun, folks, is you. This week's Dumpty Dum was sent in by Vicky Cole. It reminded me a bit of Monty Python. It I know. It in the new... <laughs> What a, what a thought. But I'm sure that Vicky <laughs> was fully clothed. I've got a picture of Terry Jones's bottom in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> so it was sent in by Vicky Cole, who'd been fiddling with her organ. Lucy, if any of our other listeners want to send us a Dumpty Dum or even become a caller in her, how can they do that? If you would like to leave us your thoughts, a Dumpty Dum or a plot prediction or rewrite Geoffrey Geoffrey Chaucer, which is kind of the whole point, leave us a message on SpeakPipe via DumptyDum.com or call us on 0203031315. This week, we need to thank the lovely Shambridge for Amazing Voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, who appears later, Cosmo for his episode roundups, and Derek for the loan of the back bedroom uh derek went to halloween at lower locksley and as we know there was a bit of an accident but auntie cardboard had bought her wet wipes and made him walk home (laughs) on this week's show we have calls from witherspoon genevieve susan julie claire and Catherine. and we also have a character count roundup from mr mike hatton but first let's brace ourselves for lucy v freeman's week in ambridge
We began the week with David at Lower Loxley dropping beef at the Orangery and then oranges at the Beefery. Meanwhile, <laughs> Gerald continued with her one-woman bid to outshine the 2012 London Olympics opening ceremony at Lower Loxley with Elizabeth's spookalicious Lady Garden. David was worried about Rosie being frightened. For goodness sake, David, Rosie is practically an amoeba at this stage. I'm not sure she's going to be terribly moved by a group of six formers poncing about dressed as crusaders. Anyway, the terrible mummy, a tribute act to Elizabeth, came a little unstuck <laughs> when the under fives were treated to a man plopping off the treetop walk and spraying blood everywhere. Nice work, six formers. Kira's in bits, said Emma, which suggested an ambitious level of audience participation. Elizabeth was already sounding somewhat shell-shocked as even con-them-and-charge solicitors had said that Freddie had zero chance of getting off. Don't be too hard on yourself, Elizabeth. You've been like a terrier for weeks, said David. Small, yippy and irritating. Get off my leg. <laughs> there is a medical phenomenon I have noticed in Ambridge, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm afraid to say it features our old friend the testicle. Basically... A male child is born to an Ambridge family. It has a very high squeaky voice until it is 10. When it is 10, it is sent to the outer reaches where there is a wailing and a gnashing of teeth. It becometh silent. Once its bollocks hit its boots, it returns to the village, talking its head off where it sounds exactly like all the other men under 70 in Ambridge. Actually, we have to make a disclaimer here as they have given Lurvy, or Rawls, as Ben irritatingly calls him, a P.G. Woodhouse-esque, 20s posh boy voice and also giving him an inability to pronounce his r's is just cruel when you've saddled him with a name like Lurie. if you think about it Lurie will shape up to be the classic hardy bronte villain the bastard son of the philandering lord of the manor handsome probably a rakish gambler swiping all the maidens from under the noses of the honest horny-handed sons of toil like johnny admittedly johnny's not half so horny-handed as tom at the moment but more of that anon <laughs> if we're following this track then rory will have drunk himself into an early grave by the time he's 32 and will be being nursed by kira grundy god help him waving bits of heather about and praying fervently anyway so far he's not swiped any maidens but he has killed a badger which i think actually gives you points in the countryside at the moment Neil has done his back in. I suspect chilly night. Someone check if Susan's wincing when she sits down. Jazza was still sulking with Tom until Tom tasted him round a pond for five kilometres in wellies, uh, like a cross between Benny Hill and Compo. They have called an uneasy truce into which Hannah will no doubt throw a grenade any minute now. Henry has got it in for Kira and saw the ideal opportunity to bash her over the head at karate. Lee, who only seems to have one solution for everything, which is... Is that what Spider-Man would have done? Asked Henry to reflect on this, but to be fair, Spider-Man never saw his mummy stab his daddy and throw custard at the walls, or at least not in the films I've seen, and there's been loads. Brian, who only gets violently cross at other people's children doing bad things, but seems to be quietly proud of his own progenitor's fuck-ups, said to Rory, you are a very naughty chap, you know, old man, Drive it, driving and driving about and that. I mean, you definitely can't have the money from the shoot. Oh, all right, then, here you are. He then became nostalgic. I still remember my first go on an old jalopy. Mandy Beesborough, what a woman. <laughs> we had the first rehearsal of the Canterbury Tales, which sadly has been rewritten into modern English by Linda. She thought it would be easier for the cast not to have to learn how to speak an arcane language that no one understands. Oh, Linda, that ship sailed long ago, love. Right you are. Things that took a surreal turn at Brooker's. I mean, there's not a lot of reality going on there at the best of times. But this week, we entered new realms of lunacy with the announcement that the Brooker's cows are now going to be fed on the bits in the bottom of the biscuit tin and the orange creams from the Quality Street box. Within seconds of this announcement being made, a crushed Bourbon mountain appeared in the middle of the yard, being scaled by ants and small children. 
The cows were delighted, as so far all they've had to eat is grass. Not that they ever get much of a chance to have a go at that before Pip, at the mercy of some new crackpot scheme, ushers them onto another bit of grass when they were perfectly happy with the first lot, or silage, which is basically grass chutney. I can't imagine what it'll do to the milk apart from send obesity rates soaring as it'll contain lactose, calcium and hobnob. But they have got the kettle on and they cannot wait. The end. <laughs> An absolute tour de friggin' force this week. <laughs> and you know, as I was listening to that episode and I heard Brian mentioning the first time he rode on a jalopy, I thought, <laughs> right, uh, that's definitely one in the bag for Lucy V. Freeman, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. People now do that, that was... when they're on the tweet along. On so, you know, I, I keep banging on about this, but I should say it again. Um, mm. I don't listen to the omnibus on Sunday morning because uh, there are so many jokes that are so much better than mine. I don't want to listen to it because then I might be tempted steal. to steal someone else's <laughs> jokes or be accused of doing so. So I now deliberately just do not listen at all. But then when I look at when I do hash, when I do my searches for tweets of the week and I do hashtag the archers. Um, mm. I see loads of people going, oh, that's, defi- that's definitely the monologue. Are the scriptwriters <laughs> writing Lucy's monologue? Dumpty Dum said that ages ago. It's like, you know, we've become part of it now, which is really nice. <laughs> I, I am beginning to think that, that, that they're writing the script for us because there was yet another stupid bloody business name of the week. <laughs> and do, do you know what it was? I can't remember. I, I know there was one, but I don't remember what it Bert, was. Bert picked his costume up from Borsetshire Fancy Dress. <laughs> Borsuch's premier fancy dress outlet. <laughs> maybe they, maybe they Borchestering fancy dress needs. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess maybe they do it because there's there's not going to be another business called Borchester Fancy Dress, and there might be you know Andy's costumes or whatever. I understand that, but you know. And then and then there was another one, which was a quote of the week from Geraldine, which is uh, when the mummy fell down, and she said, "Oh, it's very realistic dangling down like that." <laughs> I've had that line before. <laughs> I just thought it was going to be someone going off the roof. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God, yeah, actually, I mean, the, oh, that's horrible. I know. And then, of course, there was your, your favourite line from last week was, was almost repeated this week in, in the rehearsal in the barn. Did you catch that? No. Which one? When, when Jazz was saying, what the hell is Nathan Booth doing here? Oh, What's yes, his yes, part? Yes, He's yes. the blacksmith, yeah. but don't worry, yeah. it's a silent part. <laughs> They really are taking the piss now, aren't they? <laughs> aren't they just? Aren't they just? Right, we've spoken about lots of characters. Should we have the character count roundup before yes. we proceed? Yes. Hello, you two. Mike, the anorak-wearing character counter here Aww. with this month's statistical statement. The top five characters in October's count were Tom Archer, Josh Archer and David Archer in equal third place. Johnny Phillips at number two and Elizabeth Pargeter keeping her place at number one for a second month. Considering the gender ratio is predominantly biased towards the male characters, the top spot has been occupied by women for eight of the ten months of the year so far. Not surprisingly, given their positions at the top of the list in October, Elizabeth and Johnny also shared the accolade of appearing in the most consecutive episodes, four in total, towards the end of the month. We met a new character, Geraldine, the manager at Lower Loxley, who had previously been silently working for Elizabeth. And Ben Archer and Rory Donovan had the gaffer tape removed from their mouths to reveal that they spoke like 27-year-olds. And we also heard Anna Tregoran's voice again. 
as Freddie is not appealing, pun intended, maybe she will be called upon to represent Ben or Rory when their shenanigans get them deeper into trouble. Ooh. Finally, I've discovered why we've had very few right you are's in the past few months. There's clearly a Radio 4 quota, which was being used by the characters in Home Front. <laughs> well, now that's about to come to an end, unless they make World War One go into a fifth year. The archers can reclaim ownership. We heard three right you are's in October, but sadly, no hello you twos. Anyway, that's all from me for this month, and I'll be back with the roundup at the end of November. Bye. He's good, isn't he? He's very good. He's got that lovely, dry English sense of humour. I love it. Yes. Unlike us, we're just... Yes, we're just bawdy. Willies and boobs, aren't we? Yeah, we're more middle English, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Shall we hear from some more of our lovely listeners? Yes. Hello, Ambridge3962. Time to make yourself comfortable on the black leather couch, for it is Monsieur Witherspoon. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Robert, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. It was a busy week in Ambridge, so let's get right down to business. First, talk about the boys of the village. Welcome back, Rory. Or can we send him back to sender? Are the scriptwriters trying to post a public service message that sending your son off to boarding school may not be the best parenting decision you can make? As for Ben, he was easily influenced by his pal, as many adolescents are. But by the end of the week, he demonstrated that he had a conscience and a mind of his own. It seems that Ben is to Rory as Johnny is to Freddie. Speaking of Johnny, while I may have been a bit hard on him last week when I accused him of having loose lips, one thing for sure is that he's a good egg. Now on to Josh, who just is not my cup of tea. For those who say that he has his own business to run and David and Ruth should not expect him to do so much around the farm, this week demonstrated that he's still very integrated into the running of Brookfield, and thus he should be expected to contribute his time and effort to his share of the work. Josh's default position seems to be me first. He needs both David and Ruth to give him a kick in the pants to get him out of his own head, which seems to work only temporarily. I fear that in the future, he's the Donald Trump of the village. <gasps> One last item on my agenda. I'm sure many will be talking about Elizabeth this week, so I'll be brief. On Facebook, we joked on Friday... So that was the disaster? Actually, it could be quite disastrous when the wrath of Emma is upon you. Mm. I don't think it's fair to have Lily leave uni. So is Lower Loxley headed to bankruptcy? And will Borchester Land be buying the property off of her? A prediction sure to go wrong. Talk to you all soon. Now, uh, he raises an interesting point there that um, some of the people had touched on during the week on Twitter that every nice middle-class family-run business mm. seems to be on its uppers at the moment. Well, can I quickly read an email from Steve Parrott, who oh, makes yeah. just this point? Are the scriptwriters determined to clear Ambridge of all successful middle-class businesses? Brian losing mahoosive amounts of money through poisoned land, Lizzie and Lower Loxley being hit by increasing their likely multiple acts of God or mammon. Uh, the, uh, the what? The uh, oh the vet sorry the veterinary. veterinary he's written it out as veterinary. in as in James Harry veterinary, veterinary. Yes. having veterinary. to sell up be, be, 
Dara B389. The veterinary <laughs> having to sell up because, Shara, uh, because Shula's gone off him and Helen's cheese losing its flavor, flavor on the bedpost overnight. My advice to Oliver is sell up and hightail it for them bar hills. It's gay grables next to the scriptwriter's sites. Presumably the abandoned Ambridge coal mines will lead to land slippage with half the hotel disappearing from sight. You haven't heard about the Ambridge coal mines? Nope, neither would we. But that won't stop it being used as a plot device to finally scour Borsetshire from all of all its middle class businesses. Fraternally, Steve the Pirate. Thank you very much, Steve. Yes. <laughs> I think you said that better than we can, quite frankly. Absolutely. Well, and yeah. that's the end of the show. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely true, though. It's just. Oh, I, I, no, but then business when is you tough think, at the moment. But... Yeah. I mean, when you think how my, my sister ran a small uh, business for, oops, for a long time. You know, I was telling you about my Heath Robinson esque microphone yes. stand. It's just not worked. It's all As the gaffer tape it has... peeled off. <laughs> Don't, don't joke. That's exactly, oh. yeah. Um, um, there's, yeah. It, considering that in Ambridge, there is this kind of, um, I've had an idea for a business. And in six months time, it's I, it's doing brilliantly. And it just doesn't happen. <laughs> it's years and years and years and loans and overdrafts and you limp on and like only one in, something like one in seven actually continues for more than two years without going put yep. and there's so many little businesses in Ambridge that have just sort of you know like the tea rooms where the hell does the do the does the clientele come from for the tea rooms I don't know you know but... it's just she can employ a full-time other member of staff she you know it's just yeah. nonsense it really would, is the, the turnover for something like that must be a quarter of a million quid to, yeah. to, to keep that running yeah as they do yeah with rent and, and yeah. buying, paying bills and yeah, no, it's just it's absolutely nuts. Um, so I think every so often reality strikes and they think, oh Christ, we better we better make a few of these go bust. <laughs> so all of a sudden that you know they're then they're then stricken with something. I did like Elizabeth referring to the dead mummy falling out of a tree and sprouting blood in front of a load of terrified toddlers as a glitch. (laughs) (laughs) A glitch is something that happens when it's out of your control, Elizabeth, not something that is entirely within your control. It didn't sound that bad, though, did it? I mean, I've seen some terrible things on CBeebies lately. (laughs) Or at least I think it was CBeebies. Amateur dramatic things where I would have lo- I longed for somebody to fall out of a tree and have blood sprouting from his eyes. It would have been so much more interesting than what was actually happening. <laughs> oh, it's just good. It's it's just a way of uh, of cementing Geraldine, and I don't yeah. mean like cementing her to the driveway. <laughs> In a mafia I mean, way, no. Yes, <laughs> I mean it's 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 cementing her character within yeah. within, within the storyline yeah um because she's going to become more and more important isn't she yeah yes hmm. but what i and also i like i like roy going roy, you know everyone's in the car park furious and she said elizabeth said does he think he still works here and i thought <laughs> you don't need to work there to know that that was an absolute shit show elizabeth you, know, not, <laughs> you don't need he collecting names knowledge. though he was <laughs> he was collecting names and addresses but I thought he was just, you know, doing them a favour. This is a bit of a this is a bit of a long, a long, a long shot, but or a bit of a reach here. But um, my cat, when she wants feeding or she's in a temper about something, she does right. what we call a bossy bottom walk, which mm-hmm. is she walks very slowly right in front of you and wiggles her bottom about so you can't get round her because yep. she's making you walk at her pace in the mm-hmm. hope that you're going to head straight to her cat food bowl. 
And that's my that was my image of Emma, her bossy bottom walk when she's <laughs> when she's in a strop about something. You could see, you know, marching over with her arms pumping and you know a bottom wiggling. He's like, right, Elizabeth, Kira is in bits, you know, and all. <laughs> You know, you need a bossy bottom walk if you're going to be an effective parish councillor, I think. But oh, I do, definitely. I do think okay. people should have slightly calmed down. Henry wasn't there, was he? No, I don't think so. That's good, because he, he'd have had PTSD, I should think. He'd have probably loved it. He'd have yanked on one of the bandages and pulled an arm <laughs> off or something. I was slightly... I did look up telehandler, I have to admit. Did you? <laughs> yes. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a tradition that every time we hear a word that we're not entirely sure of, whether it's Montbelliers or um, what was the other thing? Montbelliard, isn't Montbelliard, it? Montbelliard, yeah. Yes. No wonder I thought there was an odd kind of cow. Um, <laughs> and and it, it, they look like things... Oh, culverts. You looked up culverts. I've, I've been looking up a number of culverts <laughs> in my time. I can tell you. And there aren't, there aren't very many nice surprises up culverts. No. No. Um, and, and it's a thing, it's a, a tractor with two prongs on it. Yes. I thought, well, are, are they dangling from, from the pitch forky prongs? I no, guess but so. I, th- I think you can Why buy a Why the hell cage. is it called a telehandler? Ah, well, you, you were mocking me moments ago. You have actually looked this it, up, haven't you? It's a telescopic handling device. Oh. And I have to... I'm, with my affliction, I have to have a telescopic handling device anyway, but that's a different story. But you can get a cage, like a cage thing on it, so it's like a platform. So it's like a, it's a, it's one of those squat tractors right. with, yeah, with yeah, the yeah. same size wheels, and then it's got a, a bit like a, a forklift, a, but with a yeah, with, yeah, yeah, but it's got a, it's a got a jib on it rather than right. a forklifty thing. And I did like the fact this week that the word telehandler and spookalicious appeared <laughs> more than nearly any other word. Just hilarious. <laughs> That's and that was another week this week when you thought, oh God, please don't be listening if you've never heard before. <laughs> You're going to be so confused. <laughs> oh gosh! Right. Um, do you know what? I just looked at looked at the screen here where my mm. little radio studio is, and for a moment, instead of seeing Genevieve, I thought it was Geraldine. I thought, bloody hell, she's phoned here. <laughs> she's right. She, I mean, she's, she's not got she, the time. She's doing everything. Talk about multitasking. Anyway, no, it is Genevieve. Hi, it's Genevieve calling from Toronto, Canada, with my Dumpty Diddler, so apologies if he decides to talk to We've been, he's a Fallon and Harrison, we got caught up around the time that they got married. This Montbilliard cow problem thing has just been bothering me, so I decided to look up uh, Montbilliard cows, and actually they're ideal for (laughs) organic farming, so I understand uh, the bridge farm interest. Also, they're a very valuable cow to sell for slaughter, so I'm kind of wondering why bridge farm doesn't see the value in having uh, a breeding program and selling the cows since, you know, they could actually make some money at something. But anyway, that's enough about cows. Um, I do listen to the archers for the farming content, uh, since that's (laughs) my background. Um, My plot prediction is that Helen and the karate instructor Lee will get together, and I think it's interesting that Ambridge is going to have this army of karate warriors, and (laughs) Titchy is supposed to be uh, coming back at some point. So I find that very interesting that Ambridge can rise up and fight him. I don't know. Um, Maybe Titchy's creating his own warrior set of karate 
and there's going to be this whole Mortal Kombat showdown. Um, probably not. Uh, that would also probably be ridiculous to put on the radio. But, I mean, if we can look at, or if we can listen to paint colors and photos on the radio, then obviously we can have a karate showdown. Anyway, take care and talk to you all soon. Bye. 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 That's so uh, sweet. That is the smallest listener. Mm. Who was a who was a harassment and Fallon? Oh, so it's very like sweet. three How months old. Oh, oh, that's very sweet. And not making a sound. No, there was one little squeak, which was quite nice. I think just that to was from me. Oh. <laughs> I apologize. Have you not okay. taken your Remigel? No. Um, I... <laughs> and one reason, one reason that Bridge Farm is not going to instigate a Montbelliard breeding program is because Tony's going to be squashed by another bloody bull. Yes. And also because it's a sensible business decision. So clearly they're not going to do that because they no. haven't thought about it for longer than it takes to drink a cup of tea. No, they're going to set up a mobile cow horn shaving yes. company, aren't they, yes. or something like that? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, Filing um, down the, the spiky tips of, of Montbelliards. Do they have horns? I can't remember. I don't know. They're very pretty. Okay. Um, oh. Genevieve, the idea about Helen and Lee and Tichinob coming back, can you imagine? I think she's absolutely right. Oh, yes. I think that, that, that when he comes back, there will be some sort of contretemps and he will get a kick in the mush from either Henry or Helen, courtesy of Lee and his karate chops. Well, Helen's already stabbed him. I don't think she needs to injure him any further. Oh, I think she does. Oh, do you think she'll chop his knackers off? She it, would, oh. You don't. You don't learn that in karate. How to chop someone's knackers off? I think. Um, <laughs> how do you know? I th- <laughs> where did you My, learn? I th- <laughs> well, nowhere where you did. If you think that you get to use <laughs> knives, I think. Um, no, I think it might be Henry, and I think that's an excellent. Uh, I think that's an excellent plot prediction. The zombie, the zombie, what the zombie karate warriors? I'm not quite so sure about. <laughs> but yes, the, the uh, Henry retaliating or feeling I was getting images of you know the man with the golden gun, where where uh, they're pursued by uh, all those teenage uh, Japanese karate yes. uh, girls. I was having images of that kind of. Apart from they're wearing smocks and straw hats, right? Like the Grundies. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like a cross between the wicker man and the man with the golden gun. The man with the wicker gun. That's what it was. <laughs> a wicker gun would be crap. <laughs> oh, it I need would, to do a it? quick uh, email from Welsh Witch. Okay. He said, does anyone else have difficulty in matching the Geraldine that Bert was describing pre-Halloween to the Geraldine that now has a voice? Yeah. Also, I've come to the conclusion that Josh is the only child from any branch of the Archers that isn't cosseted. Why? Good question. I do not know the answer to this. Um, I think because he's he's very capitalist, yeah. and and they all have this slightly rosy rosy view of um, sorry rosy but uh, rosy view of um, uh, you know being custodians of the land and all that, and he just sees it as how can I make money out of this? Um, but yes, I completely agree about Geraldine. The way Bert was describing her, she sounded like a woman on the edge of a nervous breakdown who was unable to cope, but she actually sounded incredibly calm and together. But maybe that was just because we were comparing her with Elizabeth, who is yeah. on the verge of a nervous breakdown. So I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, but often the way s- someone describes someone else doesn't have to be accurate. It's just their perception. Yeah. And True. from Bert's True point that. of view, this is and, and and how he expresses himself might not be very no. accurate in any case. 
I don't know. But, um, yeah, she does seem very competent and calm. And yeah. does she want a job at my place? Um, <laughs> but she's still, I, mean, I still don't think the place is, is fully staffed enough. I think there was mention of an events team. Really? Yeah. Oh no, the events team will do that. Well, that could be a, a that could be a, a free freelancers or can be yeah. can be from an outside company, couldn't it? I suppose. Yeah. Okay. No, I, don't. I would I I would like to see, I'd like to see a staff rota and and a hierarchy list of of Lower Loxley just to see how everything fits in. I mean, what happens? We just go Lizzie, Geraldine, Titcom down at the bottom. <laughs> Nothing. No one else. That's all. We, ha- we haven't heard from Lewis for a while. No, but that's because he hasn't got a... Well, I always I always hoped that he might come back and um, and court Auntie Cardboard. But I think he's mm. a little too aesthetic to court a woman who is probably covered in dog hair and smells of horses all the time. Yeah. I guess he's just one of those people that have been retired by just yes. forgetting to mention him. Yes. <laughs> he's still living rent-free, though, at Lower Loxley, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Well, I wouldn't make too much of a fuss if I were doing no, that. No, keep your head down. Create. Crikey. Yeah. Um, uh, we need another caller in, and then I'm going to do Jennifer Corley's email. All right, then. Julie. Hello, Julie from Pickering here. Ooh, it's a hello. long time since I called in, mm. but I'm really cross with Elizabeth at the moment, especially after listening to last night's episode. Lizzie's been fretting about the horrors of prison for Freddie but thinks that the horror show that went on at Lower Loxley at the Spookalicious event was acceptable. She should have asked the actors for a full synopsis of how their show was going to play out before she allowed the booking to go ahead. I predict bad reviews from from Lower Loxley Spookalicious on the Friday evening. Social networks absolutely full of bad reviews. Therefore, no one coming to the rest of the Spookalicious weekend and probably headlines in the Borsetshire evening news. Will this lead to financial ruin for Lizzie? And when she asked Geraldine what Roy was doing doing there, as he no longer works here, yeah. I thought, that's right, Lizzie. You had an affair with him and then you sacked him. <laughs> Roy should be wearing a hashtag me too badge. <laughs> I fear it's all going to go quickly downhill for Laura Loxley and Lizzie and it will be up to Lily to come to the rescue Hello. on a white horse fanfare to save Laura Loxley from financial ruin and save the Pargeter's good name. Okay, that's all I have to say on the subject and uh, best wishes to everybody else out in Dumpty Dum land and looking forward to seeing what other people have to say about this terrible state of affairs with the hanging hanging uh, mummy etc toodles she's the really hanging got gardens of spookalicious oh, God. <laughs> um i i am with with a spoon on this i really don't want lily i think it's what'll happen but i hope it happens because lily realizes that university isn't what she wants at the moment mm. i really hope she doesn't just come back to save Lower Loxley because her brother's been a massive dickhead. Hang on, though. How is a 19-year-old university student going to save a stately home? Well, because she's with it and Elizabeth is away with the fairies and Geraldine is, you know, trying to do everything by herself because Lily, uh, because Lizzie is worse than useless at the moment. 
and she has had experience. She did a lot when, uh, um, you know, in the in the summer when things were going wrong for Elizabeth or things were were tough, then um, you know, uh, Lily stepped in and and got a lot done. She's quite a capable young woman, I think. Oh yeah, I think she's capable of supporting and, and yes, mm. but she she couldn't. Well, anyway, I think it would be odd for her to do it single handedly. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I really, yeah, I, I, if she comes back, fine, as long as she comes back on her own terms, not because Freddie's a pillock. Yeah, I mean, it'd be better to spend to spend 60-odd grand and get someone in to come and manage it properly. Yeah. Someone who's got experience and, and contacts and yeah. and a degree. Um, you know, there is um, a trip advisor for Ambridge. There is quite a few. Is there? Pr- yeah. And uh, there's, a re- there's reviews of the bull. And I don't know yet. I haven't looked whether or not there's a review of a trip advisor review of Spookalicious. But uh, please all go and look. And if there isn't, someone do one. I know you Okay, will. yes. You, you have been ordered so to do. <laughs> oh, uh, next email. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer Corley, who is at Ambridge Pony Club on the Twitters. Oh, yeah. Um, she said, I'm a silent character, so I can't be doing with speak pipe. Fair enough. Um, Cameron Fraser got me into Ambridge when he left pregnant Lizzie at the service station. Same as me. We are the same uh, generation vintage. of, we are the same vintage of, 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 of Archerzites, Jennifer. Um, could the scriptwriters institute a new rule that Joe Grundy has to be present, however unlikely this is, in every scene involving Ben and Rory? Even if this means he has to be in the back seat as they go joyriding. I need someone to say, now then, Ben Archer, or just a minute, Rory Aldridge, at frequent intervals, or I have absolutely no idea which character is which. These two sound like they have economised and used one actor. That's all, except I'm starting to look forward to a glorious Christmas at Brookfield. Rosie's first, great granny Jill flinging mince pies at granddad Robin when her middle name slips out during christening plans. Great aunt Elizabeth getting pissed and slagging off the entire family before weeping into the trifle. Then Russ pours oil on troubled waters as he hands around the turkey to Jean on Boxing Day. If I was Ruth, I'd book a cruise now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it wasn't last Christmas she was away. When was she away? A couple of Christmases ago when everything was going uh, had and hot. She was in New Zealand. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Crikey. Well, yeah, maybe Lizzie should go to New Zealand. Yes. She should just know. go anywhere. I don't really mind where she goes. Oh, I'm almost beginning to feel sorry for her, but, but not quite. Well, at least she's given up now. I mean, at least she's kind of accepted it. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, he's done a month. He's got five months left. And yes, it is horrible. And yes, he is going to be sad. And I think when she said what got me actually... In a, mm. you know, in, in a, I did feel sympathy. Was when she said, "And how many nights?" Yeah, he's got because one hundred and fifty. Yeah, wet blimey, you, <laughs> you looked that up as well. I know, I do listen to the show. She said one hundred and fifty nights. But when your child is away, you do nighttime is when you worry about them. It's okay. weird. So something about in the daytime they can put a brave face on things, but when they're in their bed on their own at night, that's when you worry and that's when I would worry I think and when mine go on school trips I always think Ooh. and the first thing I do in the morning is check my phone to make sure they didn't message me in the night oh. and they never did apart from to say I'm too hot or <laughs> something I can't do anything <laughs> about you know um but you know yeah it but there's something about there's something about the night time uh, about your child be, because you know if they have a bad dream or whatever that they come pottering into you when they're little and then um, when they're bigger, that's when they start worrying about things. And, you know, yeah, nighttime is, is hard. I can really see why she said that. Well, I'm sure Freddie will be perfectly safe 
locked up in his cell with his cellmate at night time. Don't worry about that at all, Lizzie. <laughs> oh, you're such a comfort, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> time to hear from Claire. Now, we haven't heard from her for some time. Hi, Dante Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. Um, we've had some fantastic new caller in us recently. So welcome, everybody. And it's great to be part of the Dumpty Dum community. Uh, just a quick reflection on Friday's episode. I'm sure I won't be the only one who's disappointed it wasn't some real person who got flattened by a cherry picker or whatever it was that they had. Um, but two things of note, one of which was, hooray, Lexi's coming back. Oh, it was nice to hear that. Uh, I think Lexi's about the only sensible person in the entire village at times. Um, and we need, do need to up the sensible factor uh, a little bit, I think, in Ambridge. There's so many idiots running around at the moment. And um, here's my plot prediction that something maybe will happen to Ruth and then Lexi will get to be the outsider's voice of Chaucer in the Christmas play. Won't that be brilliant and massively confusing for Lexi? So I'd love to see that happen. Uh, you know, Ruth is uh, an outsider, all right, but uh, Lexi's the, you know, even bigger outsider. So let's see her take that role. Uh, the other thing on Friday was... Um, the shenanigans of uh, the teenage boys. What is it with teenage boys in Ambridge? They all seem to be complete no-hopers, except for Johnny. And um, he seems to have had all the sense and um, consideration of all of them rolled into one. But I would like to hear Witherspoon's view on Johnny at some point, because it feels to me that he's a kind of codependency relationship in waiting. He's too eager to please. Yeah. He's too desperate. Yeah. And he's going to get massively taken advantage of at some point. Um, bless him. And uh, I'd like to see him toughen up a bit, perhaps. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, keep up the good work. Bye. Oh, yeah, I people think she's like dead Johnny, right. I mean, they? I know. Yeah, but if Johnny got involved with Hannah, she would absolutely rip him to bits. He wouldn't. Yeah, know but which what way a way to was. go! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he. Mm, it's the emotion. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that aspect of things would be delightful. But it's the um, it's the emotional stuff because she's absolutely right. Yes, he is desperate to to please and although he did he did stand up to freddie didn't he and he did say no i don't yeah. want to be your mate because mates don't leave other mates blah, 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 blah. so you know maybe maybe there's there's hope for him um lexi coming back i've forgotten where we are in in lexi's menstrual cycle does anyone know i don't know um, no just i've not lick, been keeping lick my finger and stick it in the air and see uh i've no no result so are we? Is this going to be more more turkey based a business when when she gets back? I presume so. Although we haven't well, heard from uh, Ian for ages. Oh yes, yeah. the Immaculate Conception. Excellent. Yep, yep. marvelous. Well, if you're using <sighs> a turkey baster, it's, it's not all that immaculate. <laughs> it's a bit greasy. <laughs> Some of really. it can get on the carpet. Yeah, as long as you give it a quick rinse afterwards, it's fine. Exactly. Um, a bit of fairy on the carpet, you'll be fine. But yeah, no, that's a super idea about the um. Uh, Lexi being in Canterbury Tales. I thought for a minute when she was saying it, I thought that that Lexi was going to convince L Ruth to become the surrogate mother for Ian. And, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no, um, no. I think that's a lovely idea, and it's quite nice on a sort of a social level as well with Brexit and everything. The idea of somebody uh, from Eastern Europe playing the narrator of one of the most well-known. Um, 
ancient sort of English mm. manuscripts. Is it? Yeah, it's quite nice. I yeah, like it a lot. Oh, I don't know. Something's going to happen. People keep saying something's going to happen with that barn. And I, well, I if did... they mention the word fire one more time, I'm going to go berserk. <laughs> but then we they do this, had... don't they? And then we're all watching yeah. that, and then something else happens that we're not expecting. So because that that didn't that barn burn down a few years ago? Someone uh, committed arson upon it, or, or one of their barns. Remember that kind of organised crime game? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that was Clive Horobin's dog dog people, wasn't it? Yes. D- David was going to testify, so they burnt the barn down. Yeah. So that's not going to happen. Then when I said, I said on Twitter, oh, maybe, maybe everyone's going to be poisoned by the gas heater. And then some clever clogs, I think it was Cosmo, thank you, uh, pointed out that the barn is open on all three yeah. sides or whatever, and that that's probably unlikely. So yeah. get stuff. Uh, but I thought it was a good idea. Some people thought it was popular. Kerry Warbis was jumping and a whooping at the very thought. But there we are. <laughs> she just likes the idea of everybody in Ambridge dying. It's what most of her Twitter feed is about. Carnage. Okay. Yeah, exactly. How can they all die swiftly? Yes. <laughs> right. Who should we have next? We have, uh, I, we can, you can choose, Susan or Catherine Rowan-Jones? <gasps> Susan. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. Catherine is, is definitely a finisher, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Hello, it's Susan here on the Twitter. I am at Susan S.H. Harrison, and it is my first time calling in. I finally got the courage to do it. <laughs> Yay! Thank you so much for the podcast. They're absolutely brilliant. And having listened to uh, this Sunday's Omnibus and listening to Rory... Uh, Rory... <laughs> and uh, then driving around, I was most upset to hear it's only a badger. There is no such thing as only a badger. Badgers are important. And I wish they would stop doing this whole driving around stuff because yeah. I have PTSD from silly idiots driving into the back of me. And oh. I don't like it. So can you please stop and just go back to all the farming stuff and tea and cakes? It's much easier to listen to. <laughs> Um, and when I'm braver, I will um, add a dum de dum de dum de dum of my own. But I have I have yet to work out what uh, what musical instrument to use because it really shouldn't be my voice. <laughs> <laughs> so much love to you all out there in Dumpty Tumland, and speak to you soon. Bye. 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 One point to carry on from from there is all, all this driving around. When I first mm. heard the boys in the car. They, they, I, they were very breathless, weren't they? And and there was a lot of grunting. And I, I really, <laughs> I, I thought, no, no, it's ten past seven. What's going on? <laughs> and he's got his joystick in his hand. Well, Cause, I cause, didn't know because they said. First of all, I thought they they, I got confused between a four by four, and a quad bike, and uh, I thought they were on a quad bike, uh, and then. <laughs> And then William knocked on the window and I thought, hey, there's no window on a quad. What's he knocking on? Why doesn't he just talk to them? And then I realised what they're driving around in. So, I mean, you know that uh, in the youth crime, what I am an expert on, the youth crime, is they call it talking, which is taking and driving away. And um, uh, which shouldn't be talking, should it? It was taking and whatever it is. Anyway. Talk, um, T-O-C. Yes. You, go, you keep you talking, I'll look it up. Okay. I'm sure it's called talking anyway. Um, and uh, surely the fact that he is repeat, they are repeatedly stealing other people's vehicles for which they are uninsured 
they should I know they're ostensibly supposed supposedly not driving on the public highway, but surely that in itself is enough to merit more of a ticking off than just a oh well really, you know, you shouldn't be doing that sort of thing. Oh here we are, look, talking noun. The clicking sound of the hands of a clock. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's tremendously no. helpful, Robert. Sorry. It's T O C I N G. All right. All right. T O C I N G. Go on the Urban Dictionary. I've got touching here. Um, Have you? Stop what it. What does tacking, talking stand for? Here we are. Look. Talking. Oh, nothing. It's ut- utterly r- r- ridiculous. It doesn't work. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. I'm going to look it up now. Okay. Well, th- this is rivaling dreamt it. What, choosing white paint. I know. I know. Oops. And now my mic's fallen to bits again. Is it? Oh, dear. Well, you're, you're still on here. It still says blue snowball, so we're fine. You're on top quality audio, as far as I'm concerned. I was looking it up on my iPhone, so that's why it's rubbish. I'm sure. If it's oh taking and driving away, is it da- tadding? No, it's definitely talking. Okay. Well, maybe maybe we can edit out this this <laughs> yeah. enormous Sorry, hiatus to the program. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up. I'm sorry. I mean, right, when, well, when we've finished. Speak among yourselves. really annoying. I'm sure it's taking and driving away. Twalking. Ah, twalking. Yeah, taking without owner's consent. Ah, because I was yeah. thinking T-O-C. Oh, oh, I know, uh, it doesn't make any sense. Owner's consent, yeah. yeah. So what they're doing is twalking. And they're twalking idiots, aren't they? They're tw- <laughs> twalks. A couple of twalks. Um... They, uh, I think that merits rather more than, uh, you know, it's not the fact that they're driving dangerously, they're upsetting the birds and blah, 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 blah. But they're actually in someone else's vehicle without a license and uninsured. And they've taken it without consent, which is twocking. So, you know, it's that's rather more than Brian just going, oh, you shouldn't really be doing that, you know. It was um, interesting. And David sort of going, Mm. It was interesting um, that it was Josh. Will. It was Will that caught them. Yeah. And Will is covering up for his late wife's. Yeah. Yes. Mystery. Oh, yes. I'd forgotten that. Yes. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Yes. Well, that's all I have to say. I have that's nothing. That's why they pay you the big money, Robert, because you exactly. That's like why that. I exactly. I I get the uh, absolutely zero pounds and pence for doing this. Well, I get all the adulation, <laughs> and you get none of it. <laughs> Do you get stopped in the street? Constantly, but not because of Dumpty Dum. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> People telling me that I've forgotten to put trousers on or something. I'm um, still awaiting my first marriage proposal, though. Oh, uh, yeah. Let <laughs> <laughs> us know when it happens, won't you? I will. Yeah. I will. I'll tell you when to buy a hat. Okay. Right. Uh, Catherine Rowan Jones is next. Shall we go yay. for her? Yes. Good afternoon, Dumpty Dummers Worldwide. It's Catherine <laughs> Rowan Jones calling in from High Wycombe at 88 I'm Ivy Fox on the Twitters, reminding you all of Royfield's handy hint to do it on Sunday afternoon before you get distracted by the new week in Ambridge. Three new voices this week. One, readily identifiable by her gender and location. The other two... Another two generic young men. 
interchangeable and indistinguishable from all the other young men in the village. So that's going to be interesting to try and work out who is speaking to whom. Scriptwriters are better up their game. That's all I can say. Brian, Tony, interesting to compare how two paterfamiliases, if that's the right plural, um, are handing over to the next generation. Brian resents it bitterly, complaining at the shoot. No one paid attention mm. to me. They were all listening to Brian Gibson. Whereas Tony, for all his many faults, for all his many, many faults, <laughs> gave Johnny a list of pointers of things to look at in cattle and entrusted his daughter and his grandson to go off and look at the Montbelliards in Stafford. No, he didn't want to go with they can make their own choices about yeah. their future project for that part of the farm. So, grudgingly, I give Tony some credit for that. Well, the goings on at Lower Loxley, I think the horror is more evident in Elizabeth's mental unravelling rather than what was unfolding in the gardens, although that did sound pretty grim with the actors. Elizabeth, you never heard of you? No, you're too busy, aren't you? Worried about Freddie. Thanks for all you do. Love you all. And then oh. she was. And then gone. She there she was, yes. Uh, <clears throat> uh, she, she just got it just over two minutes, so we didn't hear the last bit of that. Maybe, can we put like, a little special buffer in there just for people to go, Oop, and they. <laughs> she might have said something earth shattering. I, I doubt it because she was saying goodbye. But, yeah, she, she's right about – that's really interesting, that, that um, the contrast between yes. Brian yeah, and Yeah, I hadn't Tony. tweaked that, but that's – yeah. And, he went, yeah, and John, uh, Johnny said to me, you sure you don't want, you sure you don't want to come, Grandad? And he said, no. He said, no, 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 I trust you and Helen. Uh, and, yeah, that was really nice to leave that bigger decision. And I thought it was interesting as well that um, Brian said to Adam, I'll help you in any way you want. I'll give you any advice you need. Mm. And I thought that's not help. Advice isn't help unless you ask for it. It isn't. You know what? What he wants is actual physical, you know, bodies on the ground, sort of thing. Not you saying, "Oh, well, when I did this, I did it like this." You know, that isn't what he. That isn't what he needs. But that's Brian's idea of help. I, I want to. You know, it's all about me, and I, I. It's about my ego, and I still need to sort of to share my knowledge to to show what a good job I did. Yeah, I'd, I'd get him doing some of the boring paperwork, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah, exactly. Filling out the bloody spreadsheets about how many toad flax there are in the herbal lays or something. Toad flax? Mm. To Crikey. Excuse me, I'm just going to look that up on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> this is like live Googling this week. This is, watch Lucy and Robert Google things they don't know for an hour. <laughs> You'll be here a long time. A very long time. Well, that's all our caller in is. Well, that's all our caller. I can't say you say it, Lucy. <laughs> that's all our caller in is. Thank you very much. I couldn't have said it quite as well as you did. <laughs> Let's take a very wee break and we'll come back with the social media roundup. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Joe Colbert here calling with the social media roundup for the week. We started the week with the amazing revelation that Ben, Geraldine and Rory have voices. They have vocal cords and and use them. But one thing we talked about was the fact that the actors playing Ben and Rory um, sounded a lot older than the teenagers they're meant to be. Um, and there was quite a bit of discussion on the Facebook group about this. Uh, but I like what Karen Cunningham said. She put forward a theory. Her theory is, is that Rory has been busy working as a diplomat with cravat <laughs> in Buenos Aires for the last 10 years because there's no way the boy's been to a boarding school. He sounds positively middle-aged and now we know why yeah i think you're right actually mind you would he be a good diplomat if he's brian's son it's a wonder we're not at war with them really isn't it so um also as well leonie beaver said she suspects this will save them changing the actors in a few years when they're older so basically probably money BBC budget cuts. It's austerity casting, Leonie. That's what it is. It's austerity casting. Also, as well, talking to Geraldine, we had a bit of a mumbly episode on Monday where quite a few people misheard Geraldine as Jolene and got confused. Oh. And I misheard Geraldine when she was talking about the Halloween decorations and she said, I haven't finished hanging up my bats. And I heard that as, haven't finished hanging up my baps. You can imagine my innuendo meter went off the scale and exploded. But Franklin Habit said, I'm pretty sure the line was, I haven't finished banging all these chaps. The poor woman has taken on everything Elizabeth used to do. Mm-hmm. Which, Franklin, that's my comment of the week. That did make me laugh until I almost wept. Anyway, we also talked about Neil and the fact that he's off sick at the moment. And could this be the beginning of a coup at Barrow Farm by the Mm. Hannah House of Horror? Um, Maxine Grice said his back pain may be uh, from her stabbing him. Uh Jerry Rowley said, too much chilli? Um, but also another one I comments of the week was Tom Williams, who said about Hannah taking over. Wouldn't that be a coup de twat? <laughs> 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 yeah, it's still making me laugh. 
we also talked a little bit about um, the interactions between Lee and Helen. Is there something going on? Is there something developing? Chris Wormsley said, please don't let Lee get involved with Helen. He sounds a nice bloke. Whatever did he do to deserve that? Mm. But Gordon Bairvid also made um, a prediction, which I really hope comes true, about Henry uh, and the karate lessons. Gordon Bairvid said, alternative prediction Kira starts pushing the wee bastard back um yes yes that's what we want also as well we had a post because I'm still unconvinced with this Chaucer thing so I asked Chaucer fans to talk me round and there's some brilliant posts again go and look on the um the Facebook some really brilliant posts about why Chaucer was important and why it's a good choice but it was Andrew Disbury that really caught my eye when he said I can't see it being a laugh a minute. I must say, maybe the scriptwriters have a devilish trick up their sleeve. <laughs> which I believe is how you pronounce it in Chaucer language. Anne Lydon said, I'm always unconvinced by the Christmas show. Would you really persuade all these non-actors to learn so many lines and give up their time each year? Nope. Um, well, I guess it shows the power of Linda Snell. And talking of which, I'm not going to go into it, but go and have a look. We've got a really good post about how David's coward and doesn't stick up to Linda. Um, doesn't stick up to anyone, really. But also as well, you know, what's going to happen? I think the barn's going to go up in flames. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, talking of things going up in flames or disasters, the scriptwriters led us a real merry dance with their hinting in the radio times and, you know, through different things dropped into the plot that there was going to be a big disaster at um, Lower Loxley. So we asked for predictions. Martin van der Hoovel said, Geraldine will hand in a notice. Yep, Martin, that'd be a real disaster, especially at the moment. Um, <laughs> Janice Betson said, Nigel's ghost will appear at the foot of Lizzie's bed, point her finger at and say, Lizzie, you're getting, my, you're letting my ancestral home go to, go to rack and ruin. Get up and put it in good order for when Freddie comes home. Um, could be a guest appearance by the spirit of Nigel there then. Charlie Harding said, the Brookfield Fox, Fox, with a taste for blood, devours Geraldine and Lizzie doesn't even notice. Um, Christine Coulson said, I think a rogue firework, but it's what Christine said next that made me laugh. And she said, my mate Phil Cattrall thinks the disaster will be the dance troupe just being there. <laughs> <laughs> and Stephen Thomas said, the disaster... Drug shortage. Well, there's no dealer anymore, <laughs> is there? It's getting hard to get. Um, anyway, um, but when it came, it was a little bit underwhelming. I think that was a general view. Was, oh, was that it? And felt we maybe led up the garden path a little bit. But we did talk a little bit about whether Emma was overreacting or whether, you know, whether Lizzie was underreacting to what happened. But what, uh, one comment from Thea Cochran, I think, sums up Emma sometimes, which is Emma is basically the audio version of Mumsnet at this point. <laughs> But quite rightly points out, she was there then to show that Elizabeth isn't in control of things at Lower Loxley yeah. because she's been distracted. Also, Marie Harris said, I'm surprised not to hear Kirsty, to be honest, mm. but I'm sure she will on Sunday. She hasn't had a bandwagon to jump on for a while. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right then. Um, Janice Betson, again, second comment from Janice Betson, said she felt sorry for the poor Badger. And Terry Woodruff, I think, um, summed it up for everyone. 
that was a disaster. Yeah, you really did lead us up the garden path, script writers. Anyway, so that's kind of the social media roundup for the week, but I'm going to add a little bit extra in. And Royfield and Lucy don't know I'm doing this. Oh. But I'm going to do it. So one of two things will happen. Either this will work and it can become part of Dumpty Dum, or else I will be summoned to the top floor of Dumpty Dum uh, Towers and hauled over the coals by higher management. But we have Map Corner. Yeah, no! Map Corner. It's good, I guess. I'm not going to say too much because I no, he's not doing Map Corner. A Calm down. Cartographer oh, on Twitter about this, but I'm going to introduce a new corner based on the fact that this is a show about rural areas. Welcome to the Joe Grundy Folk Custom Corner, where each time I do an update, I am going to tell you a little bit of rural folklore. And tonight's is basically about the fact that um, this week it's Bonfire Night or Guy Fawkes Night in Britain. But there's a place in just outside Exeter on the south coast called Ottery St Mary, where oh, they don't yeah, just yeah. do bonfires and fireworks. What they do is set fire to barrels in something <laughs> called the barrel rolling custom. Yep. But barrel rolling really doesn't do it justice because it's far more terrifying than that. <laughs> These barrels are open-ended and inside they're coated with flammable tar. The outside is then completely covered in paraffin. They're set fire to and people carry the flaming barrels yep. on their backs racing round the village until the barrels collapse and the fire is running down their back. And apparently this is an ancient folk custom. Yep. It's also terrifying. I've actually been down and seen it and it is absolutely terrifying but kind of fun to watch so anyway that's our folk custom the barrel rolling of ottery, ottery st. Mary, st mary this week's folk um joe grundy folk custom corner barrel rolling anyway that's me done and i will see you all in a fortnight and dumpty dum would like to add that please do not try this at home no. That you can actually, for those of you that are interested in this, you can Google it. And as we've been Googling everything this, this <laughs> program, but um, it, it's just happened. It happens on the, the 5th of November and um, there are lots of films of it uh, happening. Uh, and it's it's astonishingly dangerous and just fabulous, I think, but anyway. Do you think if those people who rolled the cheese downhill went for a night out with the people from Ottery St. Mary, they'd end up a with fondue. a fondue? Yeah. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. <laughs> this show isn't scripted. Well, that bit wasn't anyway. <laughs> yeah, great minds think alike and uh, corny comedy gagsters also think alike as well, I yep. guess. Lucy, uh, yes. speaking of comedy, would you like no. to hit us with some tweets of the yes. week? Dominic Young. Oh, David has developed Rosebud as a nickname. That has just made my bum go funny. <laughs> uh, being Doris, just a very quiet, stately, dignified and disgruntled tweet about uh, the new plans for the dairy food at um, uh, Brookfield. Our staff room would have had those biscuits. <laughs> Marmaduke. Said, I'm not sure that Bert in fancy dress lumbering out from a bush near the orangery is going to be as great as, say, the pet shop boys playing Loxfest. <laughs> no, really not. Um, Marshall Law's lovely Beth. 
said, ah, the archers, where you can begin with a discussion on winter feed prices and end with a murdered archaeologist with blood dripping from his eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's what I meant about this was not the episode. This was not the week to listen to if you were a newbie. And tweet of the week was from Jamie D. Jam Spangle, who I believe was tweet of the week two weeks ago. So he's doing very well. Um, But there were a bit of kerfuffle. We're lucky they weren't a scuffle. When that mummy did die with all the blood from its eye, I almost threw up on me duffle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is, that's, that's tweet of the month, not we. I think, yes, I know, but tweet of the century. Good work, yep. sir, good work. Is it a sir? Did we say it was a sir? It is, yes, Jamie. Well, Jamie can be a girl. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make Royfield's error no no but i think this is a bloke i think it's all right well pictures as proof please Mm -hmm. i'm talking face pictures yeah i was gonna say how much proof do you need robert (laughs) send those pictures to robert state of my love life i don't need any proof Uh, (laughs) you just go with what go with what you're given yes exactly exactly (laughs) now good folks why don't you pop along to patreon and help us keep this little show on the road or at least stop it swerving into a ditch and hitting a badger. That's uh, patreon.com forward slash Dumpty Dum. And you can sign up for like a two quid, I think it is, two quid per show. It helps us buy all the headphones and microphones and software and uh, razor blades it takes to put this show together. We really appreciate everyone who gives us uh, a bit of loose change. We do mention you from time to time, but most of all, we love you from the bottom of our hearts, do we not, Lucy? And the heart of our bottoms, yes. Well, yes, well. <laughs> you spoiled that then, didn't you? Sorry. Anyway. I can't uh, help it. No, you can't. <laughs> Remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203 031 3105. That's 0203 031 3105 to leave us a message. You can find us all on Twitter at Dumpty Dum. Lucy is at Lucy V. Freeman, Royfield is at Royfield, and I am at Naked Fingers. And you know, as I was reading that bit, you know when you're reading something out and then your mouth just starts filling yes. up with sweat, uh, with well, not with sweat, with spit, that's what yes. was happening there. Nice. It does mm. that sprinkler thing. Yeah. Like the sprinklers yeah. about like, accidentally come on. A bit like Roy Hattersley's spitting image puppet. Anyway, I thought that we would leave on another dumb oh, no, Hang on, hang on, hang on. Vicky. I need to ruin oh, the mood with my oh, Daily what? Mirror headline. Oh, sorry. Before we have the nice piano music. Shall I fade this out then? Yes. Who's that? Who's doing the piano? I think that's Vicky again. Is it? God, yes, she's talented, isn't she? I know. Anyway, I need to ruin, I need to lower the tone considerably okay. right. because every week now I find my favourite mirror headline of the day. This one is uh, a pensioner performed sex act on his roof while dressed in ladies' underwear. Barry Mason, 68, took part in a bizarre sex display wearing a blonde wig, spelt with an H, bizarrely, and a G-string on his head. Um, And he said, his comment was, I am not a pervert, I'm a naturist, and argued that normally he was shielded by a washing line. (laughs) I bloody love the Daily Mirror. It's like, it's just just another world of absolute... Catastrophe. Ah, yes. Anyway, there we are. Oh, good. We, know, well, we can good now on have you, Barry. The, the, <laughs> we can now have the the the, the very gracious, uh, gracious and graceful Vicky playing the piano. Yes. Until next week, good listener. Fare thee well and goodbye.
change. Key change. <laughs> <laughs> And there she Very was. Very good. Right. That sounds like, um, did you watch the thing with, oh my God, what's he called? Mark Rylance, um, Wolf Hall. Oh, yeah, I know of it. Yes, and that had lots of harpsichord music and lots of very sombre piano music as everybody was dying of the plague uh, in the background, and it sounded a bit like that. And interestingly, probably not interesting, the composer of that music was uh, somebody, Van Campen, who is Fallon's sister. Oh, okay. Yes. That is interesting. What she's called, I shall now look it up on Google. Why don't you do that while we all sit and listen? Who is sponsoring this show i've actually got the album so google they, they were on strike this week right i think i think while well, lucy uh do you really are we going to include this google in it or you know what people yes. used to love people used to love the bit after the show you know when we used to record it in a different way and we go right that's the end of the show then bye and then talk about our private lives and and, and for a hundred hours yes yeah well that's what a lot of people said they miss about this. And I think maybe we should be doing a Dumpty Dum Extra where we just have a chat. Talk about bollocks. Well, there's nothing on here about this, but I know she did. Anyway, I'm going to look it up now. Wolf Hall music? Yes. Hey, Siri, who wrote the music for Wolf Hall? Debbie Wiseman, she'll say. Okay, I found this on the web for who wrote the music for Wolf Hall. Take a look. Too bloody lazy to read it out, isn't she? Uh... Debbie Wiseman, yes. Yeah. No, well, maybe it's... maybe she was music supervisor, or maybe she made the tea for Debbie Wiseman, or no, I'm going to put Van Campen because it's definitely her. Van Camper, Van Beethoven, wasn't that? Claire Claire Van there you go. What? She what? Say that again, dear. Claire Van Campen. Okay, and she did the music for um, Wolf Hall. You say. She did uh, all the all the music that's the original. Like she wrote um, a or she arranged um, a piece called R Robin, which um, was uh, it was like a folk song, uh, which was played by the lute player in uh, um, uh, in in the court. Right. So what you're saying is she she composed all the diegetic music. Yeah, ooh, get you. Yes, she did. Me degree didn't go to work, to waste, did it really? Yeah. Very good. So she did uh, the trumpet bar, uh, parlay and um, all that sort of thing, which mm, is great. Well, no I've, done the, I've always... done the odd. You're spoiling that joke now. I've done a very good joke. I was about to say, I've done the odd trumpet voluntary myself. <laughs> I thought that was quite a good joke. <laughs> we started this. Before we started recording, ladies and gentlemen, I was hearing a lot about Robert's lavatorial habits and the effect of not having coffee and then having coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And trumpet voluntary, I think, probably came into that. (laughs) But that was was fairly involuntary. (laughs) I mean, I I nearly didn't make it. (laughs) It was touch and glow, touch and glow, touch and go, if not touching cloth. Um... (laughs) Right. My, um, my other half was on the tube once uh, with a friend of his who had, <laughs> you know, um, those uh, coffee beans that are covered in chocolate. Oh yes. And you're supposed to you suck the chocolate off. <laughs> he ate the coffee beans, yes. and he ate about thirty of them because oh they're my really God. Nice. 
And anyway, they then, after a very extremely rich three-course lunch, bottle of red wine, blah, 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 it was some Christmas thing, got on the tube and there were like two stops in and uh, Simon was chatting away with the bloke and then he suddenly said, are you all right? And he'd gone pale, mm-hmm. was his stomach and there was sweat standing out <laughs> of his brow. And he said to Simon, I need to get off. I need to get off this tube right now. And Simon said, are you okay? Are you ill? Do you, are you going to be sick or something? He said, no, I just need a loo right now. Don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> he was running down the platform in this peculiar clenched bottom. Oh, God. Trying to get to a, <laughs> trying to get to a hotel lavatory in time. But he and? came in ashen. <laughs> oh, dear. There but for the grace of Nescafe, go I. But on the tube, I mean, that is not a good... Oh, no, that's one of the worst places, isn't it? Yeah. And they used to do those... The, the trains between Oxford and, and London used to have no toilets. Right. Because, oh, you're only on for an hour, so you yeah. don't need to go to the toilet. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, one of my worst nightmares, that would be. Oh, crikey. <laughs> You see people pacing on the, the last after closing mm, yeah. at night. You see a lot of people, particularly between Finsbury Park and Seven Sisters, there's a really long bit. If you can get through that bit, you know you're going to get home okay. But you can see a lot of people pacing and humming. Oh. <laughs> and they're just like, you know, oh my God, just let me off. I was I went to see um, Alistair Roberts, who's a, an, who's a Scottish folk singer. So I'm last week. Uh, last Saturday, someone took me as a birthday treat. Thanks for the card, by the way. And um, when was it? I thought oh, I could have been on that. 22nd of October, everyone. Sorry, Robert. I will. I, I, two years and I'll have a big 50th. Fine. So. Hmm? When's my birthday? I don't know. There you go. Well, if you don't remember mine, I shan't remember yours. It's June the something. Yes, well done. That narrows it down. So if I send you a card every day of June, <laughs> yes, that'd be lovely. <laughs> and so I was sitting here and I had this kind of thing up, you know, I thought I'll just have a little, I'll just go for a, a tinkle before I go and sit down because we're on the front row. It will be mortifying to have to get up yeah. at any stage, especially seeing as, you know, your, your knee, your eyes are at knee level with the performer. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and anyway, so I didn't, didn't really do anything, sat down and as soon as he strikes up, you know, does the first arpeggio. <laughs> I think, Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> now I don't need it now, but I know in half an hour I definitely will. Now, if you need a wee in half an hour, that's okay, unless the concert is an hour and fifteen minutes long. And when you're crying urine, <laughs> and then you, and then you, oh, and then oh, the relief when 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 he, he goes off, and you think oh, you can rush off, and then I had to come and sit sit at the back for the encore, right. But the sound's a lot better at the back, so I wish we'd sat at the back anyway. Anyway, but yes, I had a very painful, eye bleeding, full bladder experience last Saturday, and it, it's something to do with me being forty eight. I imagine. Right, we've done twelve minutes of this crap. Should we? Should we say goodbye? I think we should. Yes. All right then. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.